How are you doing, girl? I'm doing good. I'm trying to trying to survive, you know. So I'll let you uh, introduce yourself. Uh, kind of okay. go through, um, you know, your journey in volleyball. Kind of how you know how old you started, how old you were when you started, and um, college, and then you know how you transitioned into the pro career. Okay, so my name is Leah Hardiman. Um, I from Atlanta, Georgia. I played volleyball at St. Peter Claver Elementary School um, and Middle School, uh, St. Pius High School. Then I went to Coastal Carolina University, played there for four years, and then I played I played four years for indoor and then four years for beach, but my fifth year was beach um, exclusively. And then in 2019, I played in France and I'm going to Italy this coming season, whenever that kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I had, uh, I had talked to Kinga and she said that she was starting in like October. I think it's what mm -hmm. she said, September, October. And it was kind of like a soft start. So I can only imagine you going <laughs> where you're going dealing with that. Right. Um, um, go ahead. So it's, it's kind of funny, you know, catching back up with you after not seeing you for, you know, a year and a half, two years. Um, <laughs> it's good to see that you're taking steps forward still. I mean, yes. even one contract at a time. Um, now, what was the difference between the two clubs that you were at? Um, so are you talking about for? For, for, for professional, yes. Professional, so, okay. So for, I've, for, only, I've only been to one club um, yes. in France. But so far, um, the Italian team are like, way more communicative and like hands-on from the day that I signed. Um, the French team that I was on was in the first division and the Italian league is, well, the, the French is a one and the Italian league that I'm going to go to is a two. Um, but in a sense, Italian is a little bit a step above the mm -hmm. French league. So in my perspective, I feel like I'm saying playing the same level. Um, but I mean, France is a little different than American, obviously. It was, it was difficult, um, I would say, getting into their culture and obviously trying to play volleyball on my own. And um, what else? Play volleyball on my own, coming from college where you had like a trainer, you had all of that stuff coming towards you without any questions. Whereas in, you know, professionally, you have to ask for the stuff or you have to do it on your own. So that was a big growing up experience. I haven't yet experienced another club, so I can't really compare the two. Yeah. But it, it's good to hear that, that you're still, you know, you're moving kind of like a straight line, but you're still moving up. <laughs> in, yeah. Uh, it's in competition and you're, you're still making your stride out there. And you, I mean, just like all the girls I'm sure you're playing with or you're playing against, you know, you have mm -hmm. a long career ahead of you. You know, it's something you'll be able to do your, until your mid late thirties right. and have all that time to travel and kind of just enjoy it. Yes. So, it's... Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to have you answer all those crazy uh, <laughs> interview questions that I know you always got. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But we're going to treat it kind of like, no one knows you right now. Okay. Um, I know some of the girls that are watching um, know who you are. I reference you a lot when it comes down to certain things. Um, mm -hmm. 
what I mean, I'm I'm gonna touch on the the collegiate side just a little bit, and then kind of get more okay. into the actual like mental physical side of the sport right after. Um, okay. With like you're the only four time conference, you know, athlete in the NCAA, um, along with four championship rings. Um, mm-hmm. I know stepping into it, that's not always your first goal, but <laughs> looking back mm-hmm. at it, what were the things? when you were playing that really helped you keep moving? Because I remember watching you, um, you were the one athlete that I was intimidated by. And (laughs) it was kind of hard to, you know, gauge you sometimes, but there was a massive amount of respect by how you held yourself. So with like, with regards to all of that, what did you do on a like daily basis to keep (laughs) going forward? Um, so going back, I'll start off at freshman year. Um, obviously going in to a school that I had no idea about, um, but I had a lot of trust in Joseph and I obviously wanted to play professional after college. Um, so people always ask me like, why did I choose Coastal, blah, 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 blah. But I had a goal to play professionally from my freshman year. So that was the goal going in. And then um when I went into Coastal, I had a, I wouldn't say I had a starting position, but there was only one other outside. We had alternatives, but I had to step up immediately because I was going to be, you know, 18 playing against all these other big time players. So I had to sit, pick it up right away. Yeah. Um, so I guess that sense of urgency and my perfectionism that I have in myself kind of like molded into something that I needed to be the better than I was yesterday. Um, A lot of coaches say it all the time, but like do, you know, you do your best when the coaches is watching and not watching. Um, And for me, it was like, I need to make sure I'm going into practice or going into this next game. Say I had 21 kills last game. I need to do like 22 or can I do like, um, you know, get double digits and digs and blocks and all that kind of stuff. Just, looking at my stats and trying to beat myself was a little bit of the motivation. Um, and then also having like the great teammates that I had, we had my freshman year, I had amazing leaders that are on that team. They were coming back from losing in the semifinals two years in a row. And so they had that drive and they had that um, togetherness that let me grow as a freshman and then also grow into a leadership position Whereas I feel like if that um, environment wasn't set up, I feel like I would have taken that leadership and maybe gone the different route and not be as humble as I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I'm sure many of them will say it like I, they were at a level where I helped push the program to be better, but I could have, you know, taken off as a, as a mean and like not <laughs> nice leader. Um, whereas that, that foundation for the leaders that I had my freshman year definitely helps. And then after that, you know, we won and then I won the play of the year and I was like, let's see if I can do it again. And let's see if I can, you know, beat, make some records. I wanted to be in the record book mm-hmm. rather than just like, I wanted my name to mean something um, rather than just, you know, the, the fans saying something I want, like after I leave and, even I, I know Annette has beaten some of the um, records I had, but I still am in the book and she had a goal. You know, I want my last name to mean something. Yeah. So that because just, that's what it's turned into. Yeah. 
you have set a standard there when people start coming in and, you know, I know when I started going different programs or looking at different places, I would look at record books and then I would kind of research those people. Right. And, and you get an idea, you get an idea of what the stigma is to play at that program. Right. You know, regardless of how far they go or what their conference records are like or anything, mm. it does help you gear all that. Um, when, when you were playing, I remember in, in, you know, in huddles and just watching, you know, how, how the floor would change, you know, mm -hmm. and during certain plays, um, uh, I'll reference you when it comes to like being a leader and okay. not using, not using, um, stature or physical size as like a down. <laughs> you know, you're technically we'll say undersized for yeah. now, but it was one of those things I have girls, I've got 14, 15 year olds that are almost six foot and they go, mm. well, why can't I do this? And I just, <laughs> I'll reference you or I'll reference one of the other girls like Tanner who could jump. Yeah. They, hey, these girls <laughs> are five, of all ridiculously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these are five, nine, five, ten, you know, and they're just absurdly aggressive. I yeah. said, it's really your mentality. And I said, you know, there were a lot of times where you know, you, you try and coach them, but they don't really need coaching. They just need your support. Mm -hmm. And they, they want you, they want to know that you're behind them when they make decisions. And right. when you do that, it does make things easier to kind of let you do your job and not have to say, Hey, you need to, you need to hit this shot next time. Or just say, Hey, you know, this zone's open. If you can play <laughs> with that, go ahead. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really a big thing that I try and, get on them about body language and how they hold mm -hmm. them. Um, I, and that's why that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring you on was to kind of go over that. I mean, there okay. was, there was rarely, there was rarely a time that you ever kind of put your head down. Mm -hmm. That is really funny. <laughs> Cause um, if you would talk to any coach that I've ever had before, my 17th year I do not have a poker face I will if we're losing you would have saw it I had the worst I was so aggressive and I was such a perfectionist on myself that I just showed it and then you know being in a leadership position or just like experiencing other people showing themselves being down or mistakes or anything it kind of drained you so I knew how it made me feel and being in leadership positions all the time, any kind of emotion you show, it's like a cancer, like everyone has it. Um, and so I think just having my own sense of confidence, knowing that this is gonna be one mistake, the game is about mistakes anyway. Um, so if you shank a ball, you hit a ball out, you serve it out or whatever, it's part of the game. Like either I'm gonna have to make a mistake or they're gonna have to make a mistake. So it's like, trying to get over that immediately is what helped me because I was so focused on like making that perfect pass or getting that perfect set or kill or whatever that it's a game you have to make sure it's fun you can't be so serious all the time <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't it's just not fun like that um and then going back to what you said about um the mentality and then just letting the players make their own decisions. Um, Joseph, for a very long time, realized that if you tell me, like, you need to hit here, like, the pole is open, there's a tip, 
hit out and block out, I would be focused on that the entire time. And he would just have practice where he would just toss the ball. And he's like, you figure it out. Hit this ball, put three blocks up in front of you. You figure it out because in the situation, in the games, I might tell you line and you might see like this little crack of a hole and you crank it through. Um, so I think confidence is a super, super big thing on keeping my posture and my um, environment and my, you know, energy up because I knew I was a sugar honey iced tea. And if I knew that, then, you know, no one else could stop me. And my teammates would think that too. I, I remember, um, you know, just the chemistry you have with people, especially with service receive. Service receive is so difficult <laughs> if you don't have chemistry. And you can just feel that like aura of like confidence or you can feel when someone's just like, you know, not so there or they're scared or they're, you know, messing, mess, um, upset about that last mistake. And so you kind of feel that as a captain or as a teammate playing with the people, you know, who's confident, who's not. And there's been times that and in games that I have, especially my senior year, I had, you know, wasn't there. But for those four years, I was there for my team and they were able to actually like carry me through, you know, four or five games where I had, you know, messed up the first set and was able to come back. And so I think just experiencing the negativity from someone else and you're like, dang, I did that last week or I did that last practice and you don't want to be that that person. It's just, you know, you, you feel gross when someone does that to you so you don't want to do it the other way. Yeah, so I think and, for sure confidence was, you know, 100% a thing that helped me. Yeah, and just to go on the, the whole serve-receive, um, <laughs> that has to be – I mean, besides your setter-hitter relationship, I think that has to be your biggest unspoken bond when yeah. it comes down to it. And I, I think the next one beside that is covering a scene. You know, mm -hmm. if you, you don't know who's going where, then – you're either not going to move or something bad is going to happen. And yeah. I remember whenever we would, whenever we rotate through it, it would be you and Sydney um, mm -hmm. in the back row, you know, even, and it's nothing to anybody else, but you know, that was, that was the, the money rotation for, yeah. for serve receive, even mm -hmm. if you were playing out of six or you were playing out of one. And yeah. I think just kind of how you said Annette stepping into that. And I think she, she did a great job in trying to fill that because they made right. that blue run so much easier for <laughs> just like make yeah. a pipe or basically a, a back two ball with you. Yeah. And that's it's something that's very difficult to, to develop. And it's kind of, you have to go through such a huge trial and error and mm -hmm. you have to have, I think kind of housed and you were, were those two alpha mindsets. Yeah. Understand that, Hey, you know, we have to work together in this and then I'm going to give you defense and then I'm going to try and take over offense. And, yeah. and it's nothing to the setter because, you know, the setter and libero are those captains, but it was kind of mm -hmm. one of those things. And it's nice that how you say, you know, you're, you're humble with how you do things. So you're not taking that, not so much the prestige away from the setter, but you're not taking that role away, but everyone kind of sees that you're going to help pull the team. Right. Yeah. It's I, I like how you said that there was uh, like me and Sydney were like, you know, two alphas in a situation because she was definitely controlled the defense, controlled all of that. And I controlled the offense. And for the beginning of the season, we would definitely 
bump heads because I was so used to taking so much space passing. And she was like, no, I got it. Like, I'm a libero, blah, 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 I got it. I mean, I played previously with Carla and Carla, I never had to worry about the half the court and we would literally be able to pay like the two players. We don't have to need like a third um, passer. And so at the beginning, we would literally bump heads, but it's like, you're good at this, I'm good at this. We want to win, so you might as well just <laughs> figure it out. But like you said, it did take a lot of trial and errors. It did take, um, you know, putting your ego aside and just realizing like, okay, she can be a captain over this. If she passes a dime, I can, you know, I don't have to worry about passing. I can go hit. And so that's something I had to learn too, is that you don't have to control every piece of the game. You can have someone else help you as it's a team, you know, and being in the leadership position for so long, you don't expect other leaders to come in and take over a certain area. And so, especially for service Eve, it takes chemistry to be on and off the court. You don't have to be best friends with them, but amount of respect has to work for service Eve because you are either running to each other or the ball will slide in between you because the ball finds every hole <laughs> possible on the court. So um, I think just respect between me and Sydney were solidified. And then we became partners for uh, beach volleyball. So we came a long way. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, what was the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you had experience playing beach uh, mm -hmm. beforehand. Um, how do you think, or I'll say, do you think, um, I mean, I have, I have my opinions on how the whole training transition works, but mm -hmm. uh, how do you think and do you think um, beach helps you in that off season? Um, I think it helps me a lot when I got the correct training. Um, when I was learning how to control a softer ball and, you know, the ball, you have to be more aggressive on the, on indoor and for, for the sand, for passing, it had to be, everything had to be controlled. And I think that definitely helped my service for sure. Just being more relaxed with my shoulders and not trying to like force the ball <laughs> over the net. Um, and it helps me with seeing my shots, like seeing the whole entire court and being able to um, predict, you know, what my teammate was going to do or, you know, what the other teammate, I mean, what the opponents were going to do. And obviously your sand legs help you do literally anything <laughs> because you cannot run on sand. You can sprint in, on the indoor. Um, but I for sure believe, you know, ball control and just being able to predict a little bit, just a little, because if you yeah. guess, guess too much and say on your screen. <laughs> and there is that, it's the same thing. It's that blind, like, you know, if you're, if you're going to block or if you're not going to block, that's your first big decision. And I think the, the blocking aspect of a one up pull back is mm -hmm. where you put that hundred percent faith into your partner. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you show, you know, for anyone that doesn't understand beach calls, um, usually a one is lined to his angle um, or, you know, whatever you guys might whatever show. Whatever you and your partner decide, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you throw those up and then, you know, you just go, okay, hey, how about, you know, let's try here or you see them do this and then you go up and you just go, right. okay, I know she's going to be there. And then mm -hmm. you turn around, she's not there and you kind of go, hey, that was a good shot. You know, mm -hmm. let's get, up, get the next ball. And I think that will teach you a lot. I've seen so many indoor players struggle <laughs> with that on, mm -hmm. oh, I don't have that much time to get to it. And no, you can't slide in sand. Yeah, yeah. It, mm -hmm. 
a lot easier. I love sand because you get to dive. You don't you don't yeah. as much. So you kind exactly. of do it though a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, like how you said that, I think you basically were saying that, you know, indoor, I mean, sand is a lot of communication and a lot of faith on your partner. And even if you block line and they think you're blocking cross and then, you know, you know, miscommunication or miscommunication or, you know, they just, you know, didn't go for it. It's like, you kind of have to have that, like, hey, I'm going all out. Like, I need you to go out or like, do you need a timeout? Do you need to, you know, it's kind of like being honest with your partner and being honest with yourself giving 100% or not, like, it's, it's only two of you, you can't, like, it's either you or her, so you can't really um, blame on anyone else, so it's a lot of accountability, communication, and, like, faith, for sure, that I didn't think about before, but until you said it, it requires so much um, accountability and conversation. So, um, with kind of how you grew through college, and especially, mm -hmm. you know, adding that beach came in at the end, um, what was your first year of, uh, your pro career like um it was difficult because I had played beach for like a year and a half mm -hmm. so you know playing beach you're not jumping on hard floor and then over the summer there's not many pickup games around here um so it was definitely difficult to get into the gym so then when I first got there it was like cardio wise I was okay <laughs> but you know, falling on the hard four again, hitting a hard, harder ball. My shoulder was sore for like a month, you know, had to get that back going. Um, and just passing, you know, dealing with the backgrounds of being an inside and not the sun. It was just like a lot of all of that. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, it wasn't that much different besides you don't have school. Like you just really just go and play volleyball and you practice <laughs> and then you go home. Like <laughs> there's no stress about, homework there's no stress about you know tests or any of that kind of stuff you literally are watching film you're looking at your um if you had practice um stats and everything and then preparing yourself for practice like meal prepping and um vitamins and all of that nutritionist stuff that I really didn't worry about in college <laughs> I had to you know focus on because literally my body was I needed to work every single practice because I have to, you know, win out at the start, at the play, play to every single weekend. Um, and then you practice every single day. So you had to make sure that you were not going to fall apart and you were energized. <laughs> and I think <laughs> that college gives you that, that good springboard to it. Mm -hmm. And you then get to really see what you're made of in that first yeah. year. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I don't think it doesn't matter how good you are at doing it. You're yeah. still working out those bugs, which in the end, like at first, I'm sure you were probably frustrated during certain things, but oh, yeah. you look back on it and go, yeah, oh, that's, I can do that now. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, just, just going for, for food, for instance, um, even if you meal prepped in college, or even if you bought your own groceries, whenever you were on campus, you're still able to go to, you know, the cafe or you go to Chick-fil-A or whatever food place you had on campus. Um, but when you're in a different country and you're and their portion sizes are smaller and their grocery store is different and there's the, what they give you to cook on, it's probably like what I had was a stovetop and a microwave. I had no oven. So I had to change and had a mini fridge, which was a mini fridge and everything 
they made everything fresh. Nothing was pesticide, nothing was no GMO or any of that stuff. So all of my things kind of um, expired faster than I was used to. So literally, like you said, the first month, I was frustrated trying to figure out how to live here and figure out how to properly um, get all the calories that I needed because the portion sizes were completely different than what I did that I was. And then my meal prepping, I'm normally meal prepping for the week when I can really only do for three days. And then by that third day, I'm exhausted from practice. It was just a lot of like things on top of each other that you had to learn. We actually, I just got a question, um, which is actually a pretty good one for, you know, a lot of the younger kids watching. Um, mm -hmm. What was your, let me read it again. I don't butcher it. Uh, what did a typical meal plan look like uh, for those three to four days? Okay. Um, so I personally, I am not a breakfast person at all, but you should eat breakfast. So I do eat a smoothie every morning. I would have like um, just whatever like spinach or I always put like a protein and collagen in there. Um, so I would just put like yogurt and fruit. But I never really ate breakfast, but I realized that I needed it after the first week. I don't know why I never ate breakfast ever. I would always eat an apple before practice or something. So now it's like a smoothie or like a yogurt bowl. And then if I had like practice at eight, I'll have practice. And then I would come home and I would have like a bigger breakfast. So it was sort of like a brunch. So I would actually eat like eggs, bagels, like a really large meat, blah, 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 kind of breakfast. And then I'd take a nap, get up and go to practice. Um, I would have like maybe granola bar or like um, nuts or even another smoothie, like a protein smoothie or something during practice. I'm always hungry during my second practice or during the evening practice. And then I would have um, like my dinner would be a lot of carbs like I would eat a lot of like like rice when I was in France I ate rice and eggs all the time because <laughs> it's the quickest thing to cook <laughs> so like rice and quinoa and you know uh, either chicken or salmon those are super quick to eat for me but I would make a lot of stuff like in a bowl a lot of things are just in a bowl that I could just take out the my take out the refrigerator and pop in the um <laughs> in the microwave everything was really quick and accessible already made um, that was pretty much the day that I had practice. Game day was really only one practice in the morning and then you had all day long. Um, so again, I would eat a smoothie and then I would just eat, again, like a very large brunch. It was like loaded with carbs and, uh, when I say carbs, I mean like bread. Yeah. I would like French toast and I love fruit. So I would have like apples, grapes all that kind of stuff, and meat. Don't eat pork. But I pretty much, I'm, I'm okay with my food. But I do a lot of my stuff like in shakes or in like any kind of liquid, because I don't like to cook and it takes forever to cook when you're tired. So if you can put it in a smoothie, I will eat it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's great to hear that you, you even though you're tired, you still put in that effort because, mm -hmm. I mean, I understand that, especially when, <laughs> God, you know, you get up at six or seven and then you don't get right. back like nine or 10 or even eight o'clock and you're kind of just like, look, it's defrosted. I could make it, but I don't want to. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. But um, what uh, we're going to change gears just a little bit. Um, okay. What 
I, I know that you and Sid kind of pushed a lot of things within the team while you were here when it came mm-hmm. to like giving back with mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, community events, charity events and all of that. Um, what were some of the like favorite events that you did and what were some of the like, big reasons why you did them? So my favorite, all-time favorite, I only did it two years. I'm so sad I only did it two years, but it's called Night to Shine, where mm-hmm. we went with um, to the prom with, you know, special, I don't know, I don't know if that's politically correct, special needs, Yeah, I think. Um, mm-hmm. We went to prom with them, and at first, I didn't think that I would, like, connect to me so much. But I rarely went to prom when I was in high school because prom always fell in, like, nationals or something. And so I would go to prom and, like, have to leave. So I wouldn't, couldn't really experience it. Um, but this, this night was just, like, about them. And for me, I'm always being interviewed. I'm always taking a picture. I'm always doing – the camera is always on me. And so this time it was, like, I can literally make someone else feel like how I feel every single day. Um, and so just doing that for like an hour or two was great. And then like, you know, all the other athletes, it just, that too, you know, they're always in this, in the limelight, they're always feeling special. And we just had like two hours just making them feel amazing. They have like, um, makeovers and like a karaoke room and, you know, pictures and food. And they obviously they have like a silence room. Um, they had, nail polish at shoe shiners they had um did literally anything you could possibly like, i would have gone to this prom <laughs> anything you could think of um but i i love that we did it i love that they continue to do it um it's just a great experience that you literally making someone else night is just amazing and their parents are awesome um tim tebow awesome everyone else that works there i know they do it everywhere uh, at the rock and different kind of states um but it's just great i really want to know I, I need to look into the rock over here maybe they're jumping over the summer so i can join in just because that one night just makes you want to like cry your eyes <laughs> it's awesome and then at the end they um crown the king and queen every single last one of them it's just and they get so excited to make it's just you're speechless at the end of <laughs> Um, and I know, I mean, I haven't done, and this is kind of one thing that I'm trying to, you know, introduce into my life a little bit more is little things like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big things we're trying to get through with club in the next couple of years, uh, you know, kind of explain what that does for you personally and what kind of impact that does make for other people, regardless of what kind of community action or charity it is. Right. Um, I don't want to say the cliche, like, it makes you feel good, (laughs) but, I mean, it does because you're doing something for someone else that they couldn't do, you know, and it's literally just, like, for the night to shine, they're looking at that for the entire year, and we step in, it's like, they're heroes, or, like, they're, like, they're super excited, and I don't know. I can't explain the feeling that I get that it's just like, I, I did that for someone. Little old me did that for someone. <laughs> and I mean, and I know, you know, talking to other, you know, athletes that come up to me and take pictures and all that kind of stuff, but it's just like these, 
they, I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it, but you just get that tingling feeling that like that's what I'm that was that's what I was supposed to do today. It's just any it's better than any feeling you could have ever you know imagined. I know I understand you know donating food and donating money and all that kind of stuff, but if that if it's more hands off, I don't it doesn't hit me you know yeah. when I'm when I'm there in the moment or when I'm passing out actually making the meals passing the food out and seeing the person that kind of connection make sure that they know that they're you know they're being seen they are important that is more of of the volunteering that I like to do I still donate I still do the perishables and the clothes and all that kind of stuff but going to the sites and seeing the people that needed to be helped so they can see a face so that they know that they're like I said important in a human being is something you can't do every day you know yeah and i know it's it you know i i i try and do the you know that you know one good deed every day whatever mm. whatever it is um you know i've you know without knowing the person behind me in the drive-thru paid for their food before you know mm -hmm. um had people in line that i knew that forgot their checkbook or something paid for their groceries and right. it, it's what i was saying is that it's bad that you know i'm we use those things as, a, as an example, not to say that we're good people, but just to say that, um, you know, it doesn't take much. I mean, yeah. it doesn't doesn't take anything to really do something worthwhile. And I know with a lot of younger girls, especially now, is mm -hmm. or I will say younger athletes in general, it it try to pull it back into mm -hmm. a community setting instead of into themselves, and mm -hmm. that's not to sound really conceited but you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things like you know the whole generation's been like there's been such a huge shift mm -hmm. with how we do everything and it's nice to see that athletics like it's not so much a requirement as it is a culture now yeah which yeah. is not and you see that now i mean even i mean i, I used to always see it with the uh, female teams but now you mm -hmm. see so much more of the male teams doing it. And I know football teams always did it. Baseball teams always did it. But now you see more limelight. You, it gets spread everywhere now, which is right. awesome. Right. Yeah, I really like that. You know, most of the programs are, you know, putting that into their summer programs, even in, even in season and spring. Um, you know, sometimes you only do it, you know, once a year. And it's like, okay, well, we did it at the beginning of the year, so check mark. But it's like, no, that was actually really fun. I want to go back. I want to go check up on them. I want to see how they were. I want to, you know, continuously, you know, give back to that same community or like, you know, spread it out just to create a more humbling culture amongst, you know, the student athletes. And it, and for me, it was kind of like a de-stressor. Like I didn't have to worry about school volleyball or whatever. I just had to focus on what I was doing with that one person or with that at that time. And then once I left, then I checked back into my life. And so all around, you know, giving back um, events were definitely beneficial for us and obviously who we were helping for. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you, uh, I'm gonna circle back to a couple other things, but uh, okay. what would you tell all those athletes that, you know, and I, I watched it happen so much that it would come up to you and talk to you and ask you questions, <laughs> pictures, like, yeah. You know, if, if they're, you know, hypothetically, they're all watching right now, you know, mm -hmm. what would you tell them on, like, 
we'll say, uh, I'm not going to say the whole, like, you know, how would you parent them, but like, what, (laughs) what, what good advice would you give them on like how to become a better person? And I know that sounds so vague and Mm -hmm. so difficult, but, um, what, what things would you suggest to them? Um, let me see. That's quite a question. <laughs> How would I make them say it better? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I honestly believe just maybe having a, when you're goal oriented, it's very easy just to focus on those type of goals. You're not distracted on doing, you know, things that are not beneficial for you and obviously things that are beneficial for that goal will align with a greater person. Um, kind of just like aimlessly going about life is how you get in trouble. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's my experience in college and I had a goal or going towards something or, you know, doing a, a project or whatever. If I was focusing on that situation, everything else didn't matter. Um, so, you know, going out to parties, I'm not saying I didn't do that, but I designated time for those things and I organized my life around my goal. And I knew that if I stayed out too long at this party or if I didn't do this homework assignment, I knew I couldn't focus in practice. I knew I couldn't um, add a game the next day or whatever. So just having a goal, I think, would help you um, align your life or align your character into a person that you would like to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know that's always been one of the biggest things for me to try and teach my kids, uh, the mm-hmm. ones that like the ones I've coached, especially some of the like really young ones that just get into sport or they're playing on that 14 or 15 team and they're <laughs> making their mind if they like the sport finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And like, do I really still want to do the sport? Do I want to do other stuff? Right. Right. Um, <laughs> the other big thing, and I'm kind of, that's where I said we're going to come back to was talking about mm-hmm. body language and, okay. Um, I have one written down here, and it's kind of, I mean, you can switch it around however you want. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea of uh, physical intimidation versus body language. So which one kind of, which one holds more true and um, stays there longer? Um, Is it, you know, can you constantly push, push, push? Or do you Mm -hmm. have to just stay with a strong base and then work? I think both of them have their place. Yeah. How you use it. Right. Um, I think you really hit it when you were saying like having a strong base and having a strong core of like who you are, who's your team and, you know, what your place is on the team. Because there's, you have to know your place. Um, You know, there's leaders, there's people in the middle and there's people at the bottom that just, you know, work super, super hard and practice and kick the A sides behind to make sure that they're, you know, good for game day. So it's like, you need to know your place and then play your role in your place on that team show confidence if it's if that's good for you some people are don't cheer as extremely loud as some as others and they just gotta get killed like for me i'm not a big cheerer and i will kill the ball and i'll just be like yes <laughs> and everyone's like that was amazing why is she's not you know going crazy um and then there's times that you know being strong and being forceful is necessary um so I think you said it like kind of both. 
I hope I answered the question. I don't no, know. Yeah, yeah. It, no, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a great answer because I know there's, there's no really right or wrong answer. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why, that's why I've, I've jotted these down. They're not, they're, they're always ideas and I, I yeah. love the perspective. So okay. it is, no, it's, it's perfect because it's, if, if, if I'm not asking the questions, like I'm not learning, <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at it. Um, gotcha. I, you know, I'm bringing you on, bringing on everybody. Cause I want to see, you know, what's, what was different in your journey from somebody else's and you right. might have, you might have paralleled, say you paralleled one of your teammates in club all the way through college. There's mm -hmm. still something different. There's still something that made you unique in a way. And mm -hmm. that's why you're at where you're at. Right. And I think that's another hard part I've seen with a lot of teenage athletes that there's so much more, I'm not going to say it's always instant gratification, but there's, mm -hmm. a big, there's a big, big chunk of it. And then you mm -hmm. have the um, attention aspect. Yeah. And it's, I try and hound them. I don't police them, but I try and instill certain values and standards when it comes to social media to yeah. where they're, you know, they, they respect themselves according to what they put in certain places. Right. So, coming from someone who's accomplished so much, <laughs> you know, a new and young career, um, like, what would you tell them? Um, it's very, 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 very important <laughs> to keep your, your social media is like professional as possible, no matter if you're 12, if you're 24, it's, it's super important because it's accessible. Even if it's on private, it's accessible. Um, and you don't want one picture. You don't want one post. You don't want um, a, a tweet or whatever you guys do, TikTok or whatever <laughs> on there to like, to mess up your career because people do not forget. They might forgive, but they do not forget. Um, and so I make sure that what I'm posting is what I want people to see. You know, I want, this is, this is the cover. This is what you see first. And then the people can know you personally in person. Um, I think, I think it's also important to know who's following you. A lot of people have just, you know, public pages. You need to know who's on your following list. You need to know who, who you're following. You need to make sure that, you know, that feed of people is feeding you emotionally the right way. You know, making sure you're looking at things that will help you spiritually, emotionally, and not draining you or not doing derogatory things that make you think that you need to also post the same because your feed is different than my feed. So if I might be posting different stuff that goes along with my feed. If your if your feed is crazy stuff, you're going to think that you need to post the same way. And so it's like those kind of influences will definitely make you want to post a certain way. So I think a, two key things would be keep it professional as like a resume. No matter if you're young and you're not even working, it's still a resume. Um, know who you're following and then, you know, change what you want your feed to look like. Delete some people if you don't like what they're posting. If you're 
just because they're popular doesn't mean you have to follow them. Um, make sure that those people are feeding you the correct things. No, I love it. I love it because it's even even with what I do, you know, the fitness world get, can, has gotten very uh, very showy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very showy. You know, and you you do have a lot of sh- shapeable minds now. Yeah. I mean, and with strength and conditioning and doing all of what I do, um, mm-hmm. even the volleyball world has gotten that way in certain aspects of social media and yeah. you know, myself, you know, I've unfollowed certain pages. I've, you know, blocked certain yeah. people, <laughs> my business account. And mm-hmm. even though it is public, it's still, you know, it is still something that bothers me personally. And that's why I, I love hearing it from you because mm-hmm. you, you are in a bigger position than I am personally, just because <laughs> they're going to relate to you a lot more. Um, you know, they see uh, a strong female athlete that's doing <laughs> a job and yeah. is doing it in the way that they want to do it. But I think it's sometimes they're scared to go about that route because for some people, it can be very, very lonely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to shed a lot of people mm-hmm. and you have to give up a lot to really get to where you want. But when you get to that point, like once you get out of high school and you meet your college teammates, you yeah, know, those girls, those girls or those guys are with you in one way or another mm-hmm. until the end. And then you take that next step, like where you're at now with your professional team, you have them in some way, shape or form through the end. But Yeah. I, I'm going to get back to you saying like the high school, <clears throat> high school is, you stick with those four people from freshman year to your senior year. And then after that, you stick with some of them and you, some of them don't go the same path as you, unless you go to the same colleges, maybe. Um, but that's like your last actual class that you'll stick with. So it's a lot of peer pressure to kind of like stay afloat while you're in high school, trying to post the same things, trying to like stay in the know of everything. But trust me, when you get your freshman year, and you're even your sophomore year in college, you might not even know those people. And you're going to be dealing with so many people. There's not really going to be a class that you're associated with. You're really going to be associated with your major. Um, and so I just really want to like hone in like what you post in high school does not disappear when you go into college. It will stay on there. Even if you delete it, it will stay on the internet. So don't post things to just be popular because it's only going to last for those four years you're in high school. And then you'll probably regret it when you get to college because you'll think it's <laughs> stupid. So <laughs> just, uh, you know, re- just before you post it, do I want my parents to see it? Would I want my high school coach or college coach to see it? And if you're already pa- asking those two questions, you probably shouldn't post it anyway. So. <laughs> Um, if it's, if you don't have any questions about it ever, it's obviously going to be a good post. But if you have to ask those two questions, like, can I show my mom or my dad and do I want my college coach to look at this? You probably shouldn't post it. Um, that's just, even if you're not an athlete, just don't post anything you wouldn't want a boss or your parents to see, because they will find it some way, somehow. Um, you know, continuing with that, what's, What's your biggest, 
I'll say, you know, shaping you as an adult now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know even me, you know, with where I'm at and uh, I'm still growing with what I do. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What was your biggest obstacle in, in sport and then your mm-hmm. biggest obstacle or obstacles in sport and in life that, that have kind of shaped you into who you are? So mainly balancing social life, school life, and volleyball. Um, my personal life when I was younger and I was maybe 2010, when I was graduating from eighth grade, I had lost my father. And so I was going through that as going through high school. So there was that transition. And then I was also at the same time becoming a really good volleyball, like really big volleyball player too in high school. So I was dealing with school, sort of becoming famous and losing my dad (laughs) during high school. And so that kind of like compartmentalizing your life was very, a huge obstacle that I had to, you know, get over because there were times that I did a lot of big things and I wish my dad was there or I was um, doing crazy, crazy assignments, literally changing in the car from practices and doing homework assignments in the car going to club tournaments, doing homework um, during club, and then making sure I had enough time to, like, continue on that path to become a really good volleyball player. And obviously, it amplifies when you get into college and you be, you, you're on your own. You're having no one tell you literally what you can and cannot do. So you have to, like, be your own parent um, and, like, decide what way do you want to go? Do I want to continue on this volleyball path and continue on being a good volleyball player? Or do I just want to be a student athlete and just party all up and just <laughs> live on a scholarship? Do you do the bare minimum? Um, so there are a lot of just parenting in high school, I mean, in, in college that I had to deal with. And then going overseas, I was like, you're on your own, girl. <laughs> There's nobody. I mean, I, I had two Americans there, but even then they were strangers. So yeah. it was a lot of like, pretty much jump into the ocean and you drown or you swim. Like <laughs> pretty much what it was. But I think I've learned to myself, that's how I like it better that way. I think I do better being thrown into something rather than like progressively you know, getting slowly, slowly pushed the responsibilities. Like my freshman year in college, I said before, I was kind of thrown into being a big time, I wouldn't say big time hitter, but I was thrown into playing my freshman year. And so I was like, you either going to sink or swim. Like you're going to play the first game or you're going to get subbed out. Um, And that's pretty much how my career was with Joseph. Um, I was on a very short leash, you know, for for a, for a minute. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and it wasn't like he would pull me out. It would be you, like you're not killing for balls. You're being pulled to the side. Like, what's going on? Like, what are you? Why are you not performing? Are you okay? So that like you're being questioned like crazy. So, um, it was either you perform or you you don't. Like, there was no if, ands, or but about it. Um. And so I don't even remember the question. I feel like I'm going No, crazy. no, you're fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, I know the big, the, the big thing like within that is mm-hmm. the, with, with the, the idea of like sink or swim is uh, I do the same thing with my training athletes. Um, mm-hmm. I might hold their hand a little bit and that's just to teach technique yeah. and then kind of do the same thing for a club. But once you get to that point, it's 
it's not so much you're on your own, but uh, you have to think for yourself. Yeah. And it's not so much anymore about, well, I don't want to look stupid. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But it's one of those things where I look at them and go, well, do you want to look good for the person next to you or do you want to look good for yourself? Right. And I think that's where there's a huge confidence gap in mm -hmm. certain people. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's a generational thing because I've seen plenty of girls that are 13, 14 that have this, this confidence and this, not this arrogance, but this, this aura about them where mm -hmm. they would run over 18 year olds. But then yeah, they just, they just have the it factor with them. Yeah, there's, there's mm -hmm. a special gear. I, yeah. I, I think it's the easiest way to put it. There's a special gear that certain athletes have that automatically puts them above everybody else. Right. It's about honing in their gift. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I'd, I'd love to say it's teachable, but <laughs> it's, yeah. you just gotta have it or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's not teachable, but it's definitely, you can get it, yep. but it's through yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't explain to you what it is. Any, I can't explain to you what it is, but it's a feeling that you have in yourself and people can notice it. Um, you might not have it from the beginning, but you can acquire it. And then I forgot, I was going to say something in there before, before we talk about the it factor. Oh, I was saying, um, you're talking about, you don't want to look, some, some kids don't want to do something because they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to be embarrassed, blah, 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 blah. But it's like that split second of trying something different could amount to you becoming an extraordinary player. It could literally be, you could be in the, on the edge of your box of exploding out of, you know, being an, or like an okay player or be, you could be a good player. And then if you just do that one little thing that like, oh, that ball, I can never get a ball on my left side. So I'm not going to go for it. Or that ball was a little too far. So I'm not going to go for it. But if you do go for it, you might actually get it one. And <laughs> two, it just creates a, like a, um, just create something in you that you start becoming more adventurous in your skills and trying to be better. Because if you don't, you just stay in that box and you kind of become comfortable. And then people who are, you know, getting out of the box, they leave you behind. And then you're trying to play catch up and it doesn't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I say just like, get over that 30 seconds of embarrassment because if you mess up and you try to go for an amazing ball and you didn't get it, nine times out of 10, your, your teammates are like, telling you good job anyway because that's the volleyball you can be messing up they say good job so <laughs> that's the volleyball way <laughs> like good job for effort but that was not you were never gonna get that but it's still <laughs> they still you know cheer you on so I say get over those 30 seconds because you can become an amazing player if you just don't worry about being embarrassed I'm not saying I never there's a lot of things I do now that I'm like I look so stupid running into tables or running into you know whatever but I won and like, oh, maybe, maybe next time I'll go with my right arm or maybe next time I'll, you know, run faster. Or maybe I won't slow up sometimes. So it's just, it's a teachable moment all the time. Yeah. So um, that's all I have for you. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one more thing that <laughs> what I have everybody okay. is kind of give your advice um, to one and you can kind of bundle it together. Um, okay. What advice would you give yourself 
if you were say about like 12 or 13 looking at you now mm -hmm. and then um and you can kind of generalize that with everybody else like what 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 advice would you give to the younger generation looking up to you and looking to kind of start their dream in a sense mm -hmm. um when they be when they're just about to to begin that journey um so like how you said telling myself i would have picked up beach volleyball and grass volleyball and indoor um like collectively because there's different areas of volleyball and you get to play beach volleyball because only two people you can get to play grass you know only two people so i would say get on your get your hands on the ball as much as you can um i even played volleyball against a brick wall and a jump served for most of my volleyball until i was maybe 12. my mom can tell you there's <laughs> on the wall they're just me playing volleyball so I try to get my ball my hand on a ball like literally all the time um building your confidence is very 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 important um that's something I had to learn like quickly that one mistake can put you all the way down you will not get back up but if you have confidence one mistake will not will just knock you down a little bit and you might even laugh about it <laughs> that you made that mistake um so I would say get your hand on the ball and be confident and focus on what you're putting on social media and what you're receiving on social media. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you, Leah, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was awesome catching up with you. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, <laughs> I, I hope your return back overseas goes well, and I hope it does. Everything does start on time. So, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. Um, this is great. I would totally do this again if I hopefully get to Italy um oh. <laughs> do like a little recap when i'm over there maybe christmas break or something but this is totally fun and i love you know giving back to the volleyball community oh no problem i love it too so um thank you until next time